triumph in your victory. We triumph in your name. God, you're worthy of every song. 
every phrase, everything we can speak, God. You're worthy of our praise. You're, you're worthy of everything we can give, Father. So whatever circumstance we're in here in this place, I ask that you would just strip us of that. Just for a few moments that we could throw that aside, that we could praise your name, God. That we can, we can say you're worthy. We can proclaim you're holy, God. We love you and we praise you in this place.
just lift you up. And worthy is your name, and we just declare that you are holy, God. And I'm just so thankful that just in these moments, God, when we just got stuff going on, we're, we're celebrating the highs of just getting back to school and just back to just seeing great things and getting excited about our kids or just seeing, you know, just the fall come and leaves change. God, whatever the thing is that we're just thinking about, we can lay aside just all the stuff we got going on, good, bad, and all that stuff, and we can just say, God, you're God. And we're going we're gonna to declare the truth about who you are, is that you are holy, you are set apart, you are God of the universe. And God, you're chasing after us daily. And so, God, we are just here to meet with you. You've called this gathering. We're not here because of any other reason but to gather under the name and stand on the name of Jesus Christ. That's why we are here, because you've called this gathering. And so, Lord, we love you, and we just proclaim Jesus. You are the priority here in this space. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, church. Say hello to those around you. We're so glad you guys are here. We just lift up the name of Jesus this morning. He's the priority, guys. He's why we're here. And I love, I just remember when uh, Pastor Josh was here, Pastor Josh Watson, he was here with his crew, and, and he, he dropped such a powerful statement. I don't even think he realized it, because I was still hung on it. He, like, kept going. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, no. He said, God has called this gathering. We're here because of God. That's it. And the only thing that we have to offer is Jesus Christ and his work. That's it. And so, guys, it is a good day to be alive. And I'm so thankful for the time we had just to sing with you and just to lift up the name of Jesus. And we're going to open up his word, starting a brand new series called DNA, What Makes Us Unique. And so we're talking about what makes this church unique and how God has given us such a powerful mission. And I'm just so thrilled. It's just such a good, good stuff. I'm really, really looking forward to how God's going to use this series. And so a couple things I want to ask you to pass the friendship folders down the rows. If today's day one, we're glad you're here checking things out. We're just thankful for you. Um, you know, we pray for you. And if you sign that friendship folder or there's a red card in front of you, you can grab that, put an offering plate, or talk to the people at the Welcome Center. They'd love to connect with you and give you something for free and just to hear your story to be a connection point. And so we're just, we're just praying for you guys. And we love you and just thankful we get to do life together, you know. We need people to do life together with. And so a couple things I want to share. One is tomorrow at six o'clock um, here in, in the, the, in the um, auditorium that's where we're at, right now where you're sitting. Uh, six o'clock, there's going to be the Christmas dessert theater auditions. And so if you're interested from everything from being behind stage to being on stage to being in the back with tech to helping, you know, create the, the set to helping you know, tear down to helping with practices, whatever it is, we know that this is a church event. This is something that we lock arms together as we reach people. And, and, and Pastor Ken's going to share just a little bit of his heart and what God has given us opportunity. 
with this dessert theater. So I'm so thankful for that. Um, that's me tomorrow at 6 o'clock. Come check it out. Auditions, interested, and we're so really looking forward to this. <laughs> Excuse me. And then the other thing is this Wednesday night is fall kickoff. And come early. So it's, everything kicks off at 6.30 and ends at 8. But come early at 5.30. We're going to be having Hawaiian shaved ice. The Kona shaved ice truck is showing up. We're giving away free hot dogs. Pop, all free. Come early. Come check it out. We're going to hang out until 6.15 and then let everybody go to their men's and women's groups, children's ministry, and student ministry. 6.30 is when everything starts. Come early at 5.30. That's when all the free food's there. I'm so sorry. Anyway, we're excited about that. That's going to be this Wednesday. Um, And then Ignition is going to be a student ministry event on September 22nd. And this event is about to rally the student ministry uh, all over, uh, students all over South Hills, to rally around See You at the Pole, which is going to be at their school. And so we're looking forward to this. It's going to be an awesome time. I love this event. I've been a part of it myself when I was a youth pastor. We brought students to it. But we just prep these kids to go share their faith in their schools. And this event is going to be a phenomenal event. And so check out our website. Ignition is going to be on September 22nd. Talk to Eric um, at Welcome Center. I'll be there as well at the Welcome Center to answer any questions. You can check out our website. But, guys, we're looking forward to September 22nd. It's going to be Ignition. It's a student ministry event. Um, Our house band is going to be there, live band. We're going to have live music. We're going to have a live speaker. And it's just going to be an awesome time as we rally these kids around sharing their faith in their schools and standing up for Jesus Christ in their schools at their poll. Um, Wednesday at the poll is going to be that Wednesday. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward as we receive this morning's offering. And I'm so sorry. But, guys, it is such a good thing, and I'm loving this. what we're, what we're doing with the series, and I love that we can be in a place where our mission is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. It's why we gather, and it's now why we give. And so let's pray as we continue on this morning. Jesus, we love you. And I'm just so thankful this morning for the songs that we just sang truth that we proclaimed. God, we now give. We give to see the mission of Jesus carried out in our town, in our city, and in our country. And Jesus, we just proclaim you as the priority. We love you. Thank you for loving us. May us call things in the powerful name of Jesus. God, what a great day. God's been... As we continue, we're starting a new series today, DNA, What Makes Us Unique. We're going we're gonna to be looking at what makes us unique as a church. But, you know, I want you to think about DNA in general. When you think about DNA, 
you think about that little genetic code that's in uh, in, in your genetics, and, uh, and you think of how that that dictates a lot of how you will look. It dictates some of the things of how you will act, and, uh, and, and there's a whole lot to, to DNA. You hear people getting tested for DNA in our country today. It's kind of a kind of a new world that we're living in where people are getting tested for DNA. You can help roll out some diseases and, and get a jump start on some potential problems. And, and, uh, and also people are finding that they've found some relatives. And, and so uh, there's all kind of things to this DNA. So I, I want you to catch where we're going with DNA. We're, we're saying DNA is who we are. There's some distinctives of who we are as a church. And there's distinctives of, uh, of that, that dictates to us. So, you know, like I, I, you can look at my dad and I, and you could tell, you could told that I'd be bald when I get older, right? So you can look at that. You can see some of the genetics. The, you, you ever get around a family and you just see them, how they all look alike? You know, and that's kind of cool, isn't it? I mean, that's how God made it to work. I, I never forget, I do a lot of these weddings and I'll see these weddings and they'll be taking all the pictures afterwards and, you know, up, up comes the bride's family and they all get up there with them and I'm like, wow, look at all that DNA up there. I mean, it's just like this, all these good looking people and they're all together, you know? Well, it's their family. Then, then up comes the groom's family. Then there, you know, there's all this good looking DNA everywhere. And so quite often I'll, I'll use that term DNA and I'll, and I'll even say that in our, in our church, I'll say, you know, this person has our DNA. Um, you know, all churches, uh, do not have the same DNA. They should, but not all churches have the same DNA. We're going to come, we're going to get our DNA from Christ. But as we get going into this, I was thinking about this this morning. You remember Toy Story 1? Remember that movie? Anybody watch Toy Story 1? All right. Some of you are still watching it, right? But uh, it's, it's a great movie. And uh, when you think about Buzz Lightyear, uh, remember Buzz Lightyear? He, he was, uh, you know, this little little toy in there, and uh, he was the astronaut, but he thought he was a real astronaut, you know? He thought he was the real deal astronaut and that he was going to save uh, the world from the emperor, from the evil emperor. And so as he, as he goes up about doing his business with uh, to try and save the world from the evil emperor, Buzz Lightyear is, uh, is, is really going through and he's struggling. He's really trying to find significance in being this thing that he's not. And, you know, isn't that what we do in our life so many times? We struggle. We try to be something that we're not. Uh, at, at the end of the movie, you know, uh, here's, here's what happens at the end of the movie. At the end of the movie, uh, Buzz Lightyear, uh, you know, he's, he's, been, he's been taken. Uh, and he, was, he was actually Andy's favorite toy, right? And Woody got really jealous over that, you know. There's another real life situation, right? You know. And so Andy, uh, the, these two toys, they get the Buzz Lightyear and Woody. They get taken by the neighbor Sid, and and while they're under hostage at Sid's house, they're watching TV. And up comes a commercial, and on that commercial, they see, oh, there is Buzz Lightyear, and he's just a toy. And all of a sudden, they have this big discussion. Remember, remember when when Woody goes to him, he says. You're just a toy, right? Uh, and listen, what happened was he had to come to that realization that he had a purpose. And his purpose as being a toy was to make Andy happy. It was his, that was his goal. And so that was the toy. He was not to be, the, to save the world from the evil emperor. He was created to make that master of his happy, his owner happy. So once he came to that realization, he comes and he has great peace and, and the story ends and it's a great movie and 
you're probably going to go home and watch it this afternoon, right? But uh, Buzz Lightyear, he exists for Andy's enjoyment. And I want to say this about us. When we start to understand our DNA, who we are in Christ, first of all, at, on, on a personal level, I want you to remember that you were created by God for a purpose. Look at Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord, it, he is God. It is he who made us, not we ourselves. Not we are, I'm sorry, let me try that again. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We didn't make God. God made us. And you have to put that in the proper perspective. Put that in the proper order. Because God made you for his purpose. And when you start to understand that you were made for a purpose, and your purpose is not something that you have to go out and try and find it. I want to give you a little insight here. Your job is not your purpose. Wow, God's given you something so much bigger than your job. Your job is to honor God, is to glorify God wherever you're at. Well, you know, work, work is unto the Lord. But that is not your purpose. Your purpose is so much bigger. Your purpose was to praise God, to honor God, to come and, and adore Him. Know that the Lord, He is God, is He who made us. So, so understand the, the order of how this goes. Uh, we have a creator. God created us, and He loves us, and He has a plan for your life. Um, you know what? If I if I take off these glasses here, and I, I you know my wife uh, gives me an allowance for these. I buy them down at the dollar store down the road here, the Dollar General. Uh, she will not let me buy a good pair. You know why? Because I trash them. I mean, I, I ruin them. I sit on them. I lose them. The other day I was out there, and uh, and I, I don't know how this happened, but I had a pair of these. They were sitting on the driver's seat. I got in and I sat on them for a half hour and didn't even know I was sitting on them. Sounds like another problem. But anyhow, so I sat on there for a half hour. I got out of the car, and my glasses were like this, you know. But listen, these glasses, they're made for a purpose. The purpose of these glasses is to magnify these words. I look through, and I magnify them, and now I can see I can actually read them with my middle-aged eyes, right? So I'm able to, to make this thing work. I cannot take these glasses and turn them into a hammer. This just not going to work. I can I can have all all the all the good intentions in the world. I you know I, I was doing a little repair job around the house and and you know I cannot turn this into a screwdriver. I cannot turn this this I cannot make this a vehicle to get me somewhere. It is a pair of glasses that have a specific purpose. This is the same for your life. Many times we go out into life and we think that our career is our purpose, but that career comes and goes. You're going to give your life to a career, and at the end, they're going to give you a watch. <laughs> Isn't that nice, you know? You give your whole life, and they say, hey, good job. Here's a Rolex. <laughs> and it's a knockoff at that, you know? <laughs> it's just like, wow, are you kidding me? There's got to be more to life than this, right? And so there is more to life. There, there's something so much deeper than than just uh, trying to find your purpose in your career. Your, your money, your your finances, your relationships, they're all important. But understand, they're not the most important. God has a purpose for you, and your purpose uh, you will only find in him. Here's a good example over in Deuteronomy chapter 8, 
verse 17 and 18. Deuteronomy, uh, th- this was whenever the children of Israel, they were, they were getting manna, and then God stopped the manna, and then he started the manna. And, and he, he says, listen, he did all this so that he could get your attention. And look what he says. He says, beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. Um, beware. Be very careful. You know, this is, this is what happens to us. We say, well, I've worked hard. I've done this. And, and look what's happened. He said, God says, beware. Be very careful. Don't say my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. Verse 18, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gave you power to get wealth. Wow. Do you see the difference now? You're in the created order. God is the boss. He's in charge. He's given you a purpose. He's given you power to go out and work. Uh, you know what? God has given you that very DNA that you have that makes you look the way you look, and it, it, it gets, some of it gives you some of your personality traits. You know, you get around some people who are musical, and, they, man, they can just pick up any instrument and go. And then there's people like me. We can just pick up an MP3 player. You know, it's just amazing, you know. Uh, and, and, and that's just about all there is to that. And, and God's given everybody a different gift. And, and when you see that, God's created us all for his purpose. And so God has given us these things, and we go out and we're able to, to work and use them to, to create the wealth that he has given to us, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers. Um, and so I want you to think about this. Not everyone in our world understands us. Not everyone has a purpose in life. Maybe you came in this morning and you say, well, gee, I'm really struggling with my purpose in life. And maybe it's because you've been going down the path. And it's so easy. We live in this culture that, that has got our attention onto so many other things outside of what God has given to us. You see, God, God has given you a purpose. So when you go to work tomorrow... Yes, honor God with your work. Work is unto the Lord and give, give, a, give 100% at work. But know that God has you there for something else. God has you there to, to worship him and honor him in your work, to honor God, to, to adore him with what he has given you. And so as you go and you do that in your work, it changes your whole perspective on work now. Now you actually, you know, I, I have a purpose to go to work tomorrow. And it's not to make my boss happy. It's to make God happy. Isn't that cool? That's for all of you, not just my job up here on Monday, Sunday. Right? That's everybody. God has given us this opportunity. And so as you take this and you go out, you start to understand, look, I have a bigger purpose. You know, I, God placed me in my neighborhood so that I could do things for my neighbors so that they would come to Jesus Christ. That's why I'm there. God's given me some things that I am working through. And, some, you know, even the problems that you're working through, God is working in your life so that you can point people to Jesus. God's given you a greater purpose. And when you start to understand that purpose, it is, it, it, it's energizing. There is something so powerful about living a life that way. You know, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the very first people, Adam and Eve, they, uh, God had a plan for them. And they got to walk and see God. They got to talk to him. And it was kind of cool, right? God come in the garden and they, they could walk with God in the garden. And they could talk with him. And then all of a sudden they believed the lie that, that they could reinvent themselves. And that's really the first lie is that we could get to invent ourselves. 
And so they came along with this idea, idea that they could invent themselves, and that was the first lie that man ever believed. And uh, so as we think about that today, I want you to think about this because today we still believe those lies. That somehow I can invent myself by, by pleasure, that I could somehow invent myself by work, by, that somehow I could reinvent myself by something that is so temporary. You see, this is all so temporary. The world we live in here is all so temporary. But God says, I've got something so much bigger. I want you to honor me. I want you to adore me. I want you to worship me. And so God made you for his purpose. And, uh, and we, we have to start there. So the rest of the Bible, after you, get, after you read the first couple chapters in, in Genesis, uh, you see the fall of man. And you see the promise. And then the rest of the Bible is all about the redemption of mankind and how that God is going to redeem us. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2. This is, this is really good news for us, folks. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So we have this ability to come to God because of what Jesus did. He died on the cross. For by grace you have been saved through faith, plus nothing. You have been saved through faith in Jesus Christ. The grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. And that not of yourselves. It's a gift. You cannot brag about it because of something that you've done. There's only one thing we can brag in, and that's the cross, what Jesus did on the cross. And so as, as, we, as we continue, he says, not only is it something that is a gift, not only is it something that you can't brag about, verse 10, he says, for we are his workmanship. Uh, many translations will use the word masterpiece here. For we are God's masterpiece. We are his workmanship. We are the handiwork of God. It's, uh, in, in the original, it's the word poema. It, it, it means like a, a, a handiwork. It means like literally when a, 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 an artist is drawing a picture, he stands back and he says, wow, look at this beautiful painting I've just done. Or when he makes a poem, he, uh, an artist would write a poem. He can look at that poem and say, wow, look at this, this powerful poem. And this is what God is doing with our lives. He says that I saved you for my purpose to allow me to be the master and to allow me to make you my masterpiece. Will you let God work in your life to make you that masterpiece? Isn't that powerful? I get to cooperate with the hand of the awesome God. And the hand of the awesome God is working in my life. The hand of the awesome God placed Ken Barner in Dormont. And I grew up on 1340 Arkansas Avenue in Dormont. And God placed me there. And all those environments that I had on 1340 Arkansas, and that was what I had to deal with. And that was my life. And God placed me there. He knew what he was doing. The seven-year-old kid, I trusted Christ my Savior. God was drawing his handiwork. He was taking his time. He's still drawing on me, folks. This is a lifelong process. He'll be doing it with you for your life as well. We are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece. And so as we look at this, understand that, that, that he has created us in Christ Jesus for good works. So while good works don't get us to heaven, he has created us for good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. 
And so that, that's what's really cool is that God has got something planned. Now, now think about this. You're going to go to work tomorrow, and there's something that God wants you to do in that job tomorrow that God has prepared for you in advance to do. Isn't that cool? I mean, you're, you get to, you get to, you're going to have an opportunity to hold a door for somebody. You're going to have the opportunity to smile to somebody, to remember somebody's name. You're going to get the opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life, and it was pre-planned by God, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. There's somebody in your life that needs Jesus because this message of Jesus is the good news. As a matter of fact, I'm going to call it the great news. One of our key values here is this, that we are passionate about the great news. Would you read that with me? We are passionate about the great news. Notice I called it the great news, not just great news in general. Uh, we're not just about being happy and positive thinking. The great news. The gospel. When you read the word gospel in the New Testament, it comes from a word that means good news, good message, good word, okay? And so when you look at this and you understand it, that the message of Jesus coming to us is good news. It is great news. And so for us, that's what makes our church tech here. We are all about people coming. We want to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our mission. Would you say that with me? Our mission is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's try that again. Our mission is to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And listen, that's, that's what God's called us to do. And so that affects everything that we do in this church. That's why you see we're caring up already for Christmas time. We know that Christmas is, a, is an open season. Like a lot of people are, are more open to come to church. Uh, people are actually open to come to church all year, folks. I want you to know that if you will invite a friend to church, there's a high percentage that they will come because you invited them. Now, if I invite them, they're afraid. <laughs> it's like, what's the pastor calling me for, right? As a matter of fact, I, I have to tell you, I, I was... Uh, I'm getting some physical therapy for this leg, and I'm all wobbling around, so I was out there. And all they do is make you exercise, which I don't know what that's about. Anyhow, so they're making me do this, and I've been going for a couple weeks. And I go in the other day, and they go, we just found out you're a pastor. I was like, "Uh uh-oh. Listen, God has placed you in an environment that I cannot reach. I cannot reach those people in your environment. God has placed you there to give them the good news. That is your mission. You go to work. You do your job. Guess what? There's a mission field all around you. And God has given you this. And that's what we are. We are passionate here about the great news of Jesus Christ. We are passionate that people follow him and, and, and become followers of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and that's what our church is all about. And so... You know, many churches get sidetracked doing a lot of good things. And we do a lot of good things, but we keep the mission in front. And so we can't do everything. There's, there's, uh, you know, churches can't do everything. And I've, I've looked through the years and you see churches that just get, you become big social engines and there's nothing wrong with social engines. But our mission is a little bit deeper. Our mission is for you to know the great news that you have been set free. 
for you to let this transform every area of your life. Um, I love what Josh said. God's called this gathering. Pastor Josh, a couple weeks ago, was here. He shared, God has called this gathering. That's why we're here. God has called it. He's the one who said, you didn't come because Pastor Ken's here. You came because Jesus has called you here. God has been tugging on your heart. You set a huge priority to be here today. This is in the world we live in, to make a priority to come to church. That's huge. You did that. If you're at home watching online, you made a priority today. You are watching this online, and you are hearing and being encouraged about the passionate news that Jesus Christ is alive, that he is changing lives, and he'll change your life if you'll let him. And that's what's so powerful. You don't have to come and change it. He comes and changes you. But he's the one who's called this gathering. You know, when I I was younger, we used to... We used to, uh, we couldn't wait in the summertime for those little trucks to come around that had ice cream in them. You remember them? You know? The good humor guy. Anybody remember the good humor guy? You know? He had a square truck. You know? It was kind of cool. Ding, 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 ding. He had, he had like 15 bells on the front of it. At least the one in my neighborhood did. He had 15 bells and he'd just ring that. You know what would happen? Us kids would come flying out of every crack and crevice of our of that neighborhood. I mean, it was like, shoom, we'd come flying to there. Why? Because the good humor man was calling us. Ding, 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 ding. And I'd pay a quarter and get a Choco Crunch or something like that, you know? And now I think they're two, $2 or something. I don't know. But anyhow, he'd be ringing that bell, we'd come. That's what God has done. He's come along into your life, and he's ringing the bell. And you walked in. And you said, I'm here. I have come here because of this. Listen, there are many reasons to love our church. The greatest reason is because of Jesus. We have great community, but I'll tell you what, we are a fallen community. We, we, we stumble. We fall. Every church has problems. Look to your neighbor and say, every church has problems. Look to them right now. All right? Get that out. All right? Including us. We all have problems. Why? Because we are fallen people that God has rescued. And sometimes in that fallenness, we get a little, little, little grumpy. We get a little, little in each other's way. And we, things happen, right? But let me tell you this. There's nothing better, nothing better than getting together with the people of God. The, uh, the, the, um, the world has all kinds of organizations that get together. There's nothing like this. Nothing. This will change your life. So I, I want to encourage you here this morning. Look what Jesus said in Matthew 16. He says, uh, he had asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And some said he's a good man, he's a prophet. And look how Peter replies. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Peter. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. On this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He says, listen, Peter, it's, there's a little play on words here. Peter, his name in Greek is Petros, means rock. He says, Peter, you're, you're Peter. You're Petros, but on this rock that Jesus is the Messiah. 
On this rock, what he had just said, that Peter declared, he is the son of the living God. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. He says, based upon that, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Who is building this church today? God. God is building the church. And so as we look forward, you know, um, the, the, the thing that excites me is we come in here week in and week out. Uh, we pr- we're, praying over, we're praying over the song selection. We're praying over the kids' ministry, the youth ministry. We're praying over every ounce of this place. And God is bringing you in here and bringing me in here. He's called the gathering. He's the one who's building it. And you look around and you say, well, I see a few new faces here and there. And God keeps bringing new, new folks into our fellowship. Why? Because God said he would build the church. And, and it's not because of anything special about us. It's because all of a sudden you drove in here and you're just like, I don't know why. I couldn't even find a church. It's hidden in the forest up here, you know. I told somebody where, where we're located, they're like, you mean there's a church up there? I said, you know Mineral Beach? Yeah. But there's a church up there, okay? Listen, God's called you up here. And one of these days, we will cut those trees, trust me. My, my last will and testament, we'll cut those trees so you can see the place. But I, I want you to be encouraged because God has called this gathering. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. You're going to go out and you're going to be telling people about Jesus. And as you follow the mission to bring people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, you will not be overcome. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. The DNA of our church is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Everything starts with Jesus. Everything stays with Jesus. And everything ends with Jesus in this church. Uh, we have a purpose for everything. When, when we do the, the Christmas dessert theater, uh, the, these folks are signing up for that. And, and, and you know, I want to encourage you, come out and get involved with that tomorrow night. Come out to that uh, uh, tryout and auditions and learn how you can get involved, whether it's on the stage or anywhere. they got all kind of stuff. I, I want to encourage everyone to jump in uh, because I'm going to ask everyone in our church to start thinking about their friends that you can invite. And, and as we start to do that, I know that the gates of hell will not prevail against us. And this church is filled with many people that have come because somebody invited them to an event like that. Uh, we have these movie nights in the summer. You know, when we do those movie nights, we're not necessarily preaching out there. We're preaching by our actions. We're preaching by our love. We're preaching by welcoming people and, and just being a good neighbor to our community. Uh, coming up, we'll have the, this, uh, this event on the parking lot, uh, Trunk and Treat. We hand out candy to our neighbors up here. It's an exciting thing, and you're going to be a part of that. And as you do these things, we get to be Jesus. We get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. But everything in this church, everything that we do, starts, stays, and finishes with Jesus. And I want, to, I want to show you this. Because we are passionate about the great news, and the great news isn't just something that's a foundational doctrine. It is a foundational doctrine. Uh, there is, there, you cannot get to heaven any other way. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is, it, it is the foundation. But it is not just the foundation. It is the deepest thing you ever deal with. And it must invade every area of our life. And I'm going to show you a passage here. This is from Galatians chapter 2. This shows how it invades our life. And this is a pretty powerful illustration here from God's Word uh, that happened between Peter and Paul. When Peter came to Antioch, when Cephas, uh, or Peter, same, same person, when Peter came to Antioch, 
I, Paul, opposed him, faced, uh, opposed him to his face because he stood condemned, uh, because he was clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. Now, how would you like to be a part of that group, huh? What group are you in? I'm in the circumcision group, huh? Uh, that's not exactly the one you'd be signing up for, right? Uh, let me tell you what that was. The circumcision group was this. It was a group of people who were Jewish. These were Jewish, and they were starting to believe. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah. But they also wanted people to become, uh, adapt all, they wanted the Gentiles, the, the, the people who were non-Jewish, who started to follow Christ. They wanted them to not only believe that Jesus was the Messiah, but they also wanted them to now uh, not just believe that he was the Messiah, but follow all the rules. And, and, and so remember that Jesus was a Jew. He started out in Jewish, in the Jewish community. And so Jesus understood all those rules. He, he lived all that, he, this, the ceremonies and all that. And so what was happening was these people, they would say, they would go to the, to the non-Jewish people and tell them about Jesus, but they would say, we want, we want you to believe in Jesus, but we also want you to go get circumcised. Now, could you imagine that? You're 40 years old. Uh, will you like to be a follower of Jesus? Okay, go get circumcised. Like, no, thank you. Okay? Uh, you, you'd be like, uh, you're going to go, now you're going to you can't eat pulled pork anymore. No more pulled pork sandwiches for you. And, and so there, there was like this culture. You had these non-Jewish people that were eating, that, you know, and listen, here's what it was. There was a clean and unclean. A Jewish person could not sit down with a Gentile and have dinner. If they were to sit down and have dinner because the Gentile person would eat unclean food, they could not be around the unclean. So the Jewish person was taught not to eat anything pork. So the Jewish person comes to the Gentile's house, and the Gentile's sitting there, and he's having a pulled pork sandwich for dinner, right? And so the Jewish person says, "Uh, I can't go to worship because I was around that pork. And you, and you see what happens. And so there was this tension. And so Jesus died, and, and Jesus even came to uh, came to Peter in a vision, and told him, "Look, you don't have to you don't have to go there anymore. You don't have, you don't have to follow those eating and, and and clean and unclean rules anymore. I, I, I've died for everybody, and, and and so we're no longer under the law. And so, but these people wanted to continue to live under the law. And so they were saying that you had to believe plus obey." In order to be accepted by God. When I saw that they were not act, verse 14, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jew, Jewish customs? How is it that you're asking these people that have never had celebration of Passover and never had the whole can't eat pork and all this stuff. Why are you asking them to do that? Uh, we are, we who are Jews by birth and not Gentile, not the Gentile sinners, uh, we know that a man is, a person or a man is not justified by observing the law, but we know that it is by faith in Jesus Christ. Did you catch that? You cannot be justified by any good works. 
by you doing the law. There's the Ten Commandments. There were like 900 other laws. Do you know God had to, he made all the, all those laws were there. And the whole purpose of that law was to show them that they couldn't keep the law. So God came up with a sacrificial system. And they would have to go to worship, and they would have to take a, a lamb or, or a goat, and they would go in, they would kill this this animal, and there would be a blood sacrifice. And, and they would do it annually. They would do it for different seasons, different times, and they would have to make this sacrifice. And as they made that sacrifice, they were being shown all along that they can't keep the law, that they needed a sacrifice. And so when Jesus came, he said, he, John said, look, behold, the Lamb of God. He's the sacrifice who will take away the sin of the world. And so, so you see what God was doing? He was getting their attention the whole time. He says, Paul says, we are not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ, that we may be justified by faith in Christ. Not by observing the law, but by observing, uh, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. Here's what the people of the circumcision group, they said you have to believe. Okay? That's what we say, right? We say you have to believe. And, but they had, they had a few things out of order here. They said you have to believe, and then they said you have to obey. And if you'll obey and you'll, you'll keep trying harder and you'll keep doing all these good things, then you'll be accepted by God. And, you know, I think today, sadly, in the world we live, that most people who go to church in general in our country live like this. If I believe, if I come and I say my prayers, if I go to church and I, I, I believe in God. You ask most people in our town in Pittsburgh, most people will tell you that they believe in God. Many will tell you that. And if you ask them how they're trying to get to heaven, they'll say, well, I'm trying to be a good person. Like, I'm, tr- I'm going to try harder. And I think maybe God will let me, God will allow me to come to him. And they're trying to be accepted. You know, it's really sad because when you live this way, here's what happens. Our obedience, two things happen to our obedience. Number one, our obedience becomes very anxious. Like, I hope I'm good enough. I believe in God and I just hope, you know, I hope I tried hard enough. I hope that God will find favor on me. I hope that God will forgive me. And it's like you live in this world of very anxiousness because how good is good enough? One sin is all it takes to separate us from our God. One sin is all it takes to send us to hell. But Jesus, in his love, came to this earth, paid the price for your sin, so that you could come to him and you could be not only in heaven when you die, but begin life now with him. Ah, so... Our obedience, when it's believed plus obey equals acceptance, it's very anxious. The second thing, it becomes very selfish. Why'd you go feed that homeless person? Well, you know, I need to, I'm hoping God has favor on me. 
And you see, let me show you what Paul was saying. Paul said that none of that, the obeying, does not justify. So Paul agreed. He said, yeah, we, we can agree on this belief. We believe Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of the living God. All right? So we, we must believe. That's where it starts. And that's where it, that's where it happens, right there. Believe, and immediately I am accepted. Okay? So, instantly, at the moment that you believe, at the moment you trust that Jesus died on the cross, paid for your sin, that he came back to life again for you, at that moment you are accepted. Do you get how powerful that is? I do not have to be a good person to be accepted by God. It's like, whoa. Did he say don't be a good person? No, I didn't say don't be a good person. Look at verse 17. Look what he says here in verse 17. Um, he says, uh, verse 17, he says, But if while we are seeking to be justified in Christ, it becomes evident that we ourselves are sinners, does that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. So where's the place of obedience? Obedience comes down here. After. Obedience is something that I do out of love. I, get, I, I have this love relationship with the God of the universe. He died for me. He saved me. He rescued me. And I get to do things for him, not to gain his favor. Anything that I do, I do not gain any more favor. I have all the favor of God, and so do you. Isn't that powerful? You were created for his good pleasure, and you have all the favor of God. It was all in the cross. So when God looks at me, God looks at you if you've trusted him. He sees Jesus, and he says, he says listen, you are going to be treated like Jesus. Uh, he continues on here, and I'm just going to jump down here to verse 20. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I gave, uh, the, uh, the life I live in the body, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I have been crucified with Christ. You see, this is the gospel. Believe and be accepted. Be forgiven. You are totally accepted by God the moment that you transfer your trust onto him. And you see, this, this is so hard in our world because we live in a merit-based culture. Actually, the whole world is merit-based, isn't it? If you do this, I'll do that. If you don't do this, I'm not going to do that. And we see this whole merit-based thing. And as a matter of fact, the law was merit-based. If you did, you know, if you had an infraction on the law, then you had to go and you had to go through the ceremonial cleansing. You had to do all these things, all right? So it was a big deal. And it was all to show us that there's only one way to heaven. And it's not through your merit. It's through what Jesus did on the cross. The works of the flesh, the works of the law, all right, obeying does not justify you. You will not be any more accepted. And so these people here, they were going through this. And, and Paul says to them in verse 14, he says to them, he says, I noticed that, Peter, you are not living in line with the gospel. 
And so he, he says, listen, there, there, you, you're not living in line with the gospel. You've got to understand, Peter, the gospel is not just a foundational doctrine. The gospel, the great news that we are so passionate about, is something that must invade your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, your family problems, your health problems, your financial crisis. It, is the, it must invade all those areas. You know what? Somebody came up to me yesterday after the service and said, Pastor Ken, I'm, I'm hearing you, but I'm really having a hard time with my past. My past has got me down, and I am just I am overwhelmed by it. And everybody else is telling me that I'm doing good, but I am my biggest enemy. And I told this person, you know what? You are already accepted. You don't have to perform. You can't go back and change the past. God isn't holding your past. He has your future at the cross. Amen? That's what he did for you. He changed your life. And so let's go this route. Believe and be accepted. He says, I have been crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. What does that mean? Apostle Paul was on a cross. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. He's saying, listen, in Christ, I have been crucified. I, I was, uh, it, my, my death penalty was taken care of on the cross. Jesus paid the price for me. I was crucified with him in the cross. Therefore, I no longer live. He says, he says that the next thing was the, he says, uh, in another place, he says that we were raised with him. Here's what happened. When you came to Christ, all right, God treats you like he treats Jesus. Did you catch that? That is really, like, think about that all week long. God treats you like he treats Jesus. And you know what he did to Jesus? He treated Jesus like we should have been treated. He traded. Our sin went on to him, and his righteousness went on to us. And if we can start to grasp this, that the God of the universe, I am honored. You have been honored by God Almighty because of the sacrifice of the Son of the living God. Now, that will change it. Now, let me tell you here, as we close, the... uh, famous Martin Luther, centuries ago, he said this about that verse 214, uh, Galatians 214. We'll throw that up for Galatians 214. He says that, uh, you know, the, law, the works of the law do not produce anything. We, you know, when I saw that we were, that, um, maybe 16, I'm sorry. There it is. We know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we, too, have put our faith in Christ. He said, when I came to understand this passage, look what he says here. He says, I must take counsel of the gospel. I must listen to the gospel, which teaches me not what I should do, but what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has already done for me, that he suffered and died to deliver me from sin and death. The gospel wills me to receive this and to believe it. And this is the truth of the gospel. It is also the principal article of all Christian doctrine. It is the foundation of all Christian doctrine. The knowledge of all goodliness, the knowledge of all godliness comes from the gospel. And most necessary, therefore, we should know this doctrine well. 
the good news, the gospel. We should teach it unto others, and we should beat it into their heads continually. Isn't Martin Luther kind of cool the way he just kind of said that? Just beat it into their heads continually. You know what that means? It means we got to sing about this. More than the 15 minutes we sing about it in church on Sunday. It means you've got to be K-loving all week long. Right? Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to K-loving. Oh, man, three of you. Thank you. You'll get out quicker. Right? I, I want you to catch this. Listen, it, it, it's, time, it's time to... We gotta, you, know why I, you know why I have to sing this? all week long because I forget it. Because when you go to work tomorrow, nobody else at work is thinking about this. They're all thinking about how good they can outdo you. And you don't, it don't matter if they outdo you. You're accepted. You got to sing about it. You got to pray about it. We got to come back on Wednesday, eat a hot dog about it. And that's why we're having hot dogs on Wednesday night this week. All right. You know why we're doing that? Not because it's healthy. But because we want to be together and talk more about Jesus. I want the men to get over with Chuck Green in that men's group. Chuck's going to be leading a Bible study this week. Men, come out. 5.30, we're going to have hot dogs. If you get here whenever, get here by 6.30. Jump in with the men. It's going to be fantastic. Nancy Baker, she's floating around here somewhere. Nancy Baker leads the women's Bible study. She does a fantastic job. Man, I heard that they were meeting all summer long in somebody's house. They're like, how cool is that? This is what God does. He just, he just keeps multiplying his work. And, and then our kids, we want to get our kids together. Our kids are going to go downstairs, and somebody's going to teach them how to memorize God's word and hide it in their heart, and it will stay there forever. And they will learn this, and your kids will learn, I believe, therefore I'm accepted. I believe, therefore I'm accepted. Because the world says, oh, keep trying harder, keep trying harder, keep trying harder, keep trying harder. But God says, it is finished. It is done. It is totally finished. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, my first challenge to you today is, number one, if you've not opened your heart to Christ, I'd like to challenge you to do that today. To start with that foundational doctrine that Jesus died on the cross and he paid for your sin, that he came back to life again for you. And if you've not trusted him yet, today is the day. The scripture says today is the day. Now is the time. And I want to invite you to trust him. And if you'll just pray something like this to God and start that trust relationship with him, just quietly in your heart, just tell him something like this. Dear God, I come to you, and I know that I'm a sinner. I need you. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me. I invite you into my life right here, right now. And for others in this room, What do we have to do to beat it into our heads? What will we do to remind us tonight at 5 o'clock, at 10 o'clock tonight before you go to bed, at 6 o'clock when you get up tomorrow, at noon when you eat lunch? What will we do to keep beating this into our head that the gospel changes everything? I 
am set free. I have been accepted because of who he is. I want to encourage you. Make a plan. Write it down. What will I do? I, I, I will listen to three songs and, and start learning these songs that talk about Jesus and, and how that he conquered the grave and, and how that I'm victorious in him. And I'll start to sing them. And, and you can pick whatever style that you want. Just, just go write it down and, and go home and pull them up and just start learning them and sing them. Maybe it's an old song you knew from a kid. Start singing it to Jesus. Why? Because you're reminding yourself as you sing to him. Start praying. You know why we pray? It reminds us, beating it into our heads and into our hearts, that we've been set free. Father God, be with each one of your people here today, Lord. I pray for all of us, Lord. We all struggle with this area. The good news is transformational. It transforms people's lives. The great news will transform lives. It transforms towns. But God, we need you. We need you to speak to us. We need you to to help us because in many areas, we're not living in line with the gospel. And and so, God, we ask you to help us that we would understand that we, we have believed in you and immediately we have been accepted. And God, when we obey... It's out of our relationship with you. It is not to gain your favor, but to glorify your name. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Would you greet a few people around you? And mark on your calendar Wednesday night. I'm personally cooking hot dogs. I'll see you there. God bless. Those dazzling hearts